4: and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset.
1: We are 1036 days into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Oh, healthy and alive, doing well. And as we were just
5: having a discussion in prep, great way to start it. It's sink or swim, isn't it? It is indeed, Um, especially in today's climate world, uh, whatever you, everything that's going on, it's time either we swim or we're going to sink.
1: We're going to sink, all right. And let's start with the airlines. The airlines sunk yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And uh, still no reports on why. No, there's no reports on why. Although... Uh, We did have Pothole Pete, uh, Mayor Pete, the Transportation Secretary. Apparently, he was on a government plane going to New York at at the time. And he's being blamed for this crisis because he didn't do anything. Well, what do you want him to do? I mean, I'm not defending the guy here, but what do you want him to do? I think the guy's been on more vacation time this uh, this last six months than, uh, well, possibly the Bidens. So what do you want him to do? I mean, this guy could screw up walking
5: in a straight line. I mean, he was... Like the first, right after he was put into that position, uh, he was on um, uh, what is it, maternity leave or whatever they call it for? Yeah, yeah. What would you call it for a gay dude? It didn't make any sense there. Neither was, of them were pregnant. It of these <laughs> yeah They they call so, here here for example when when you
1: have a new child at home then. If both parents are working, you have the option. One of you has the option to take the leave. So the mother can take the leave or the father can take the leave. Either way,
5: it's called the same thing. So I'll give it that. OK, okay. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was a, a different name. But either way, um, he was we'll just only parental leave. leave. We'll call it parental yeah, leave. parental leave. Yeah, make it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I I would so we're we're sure he's back off of that now and is no longer chest feeding or whatever the hell it is that uh supposedly the new term is it's no longer breastfeeding and is now chest feeding because by birthing men can do people. that too by birthing people by, yeah by birthing people yeah this is in insanity. That uh, we are in insanity. We we
1: are in. We're so far down this this crazy loony land. I don't even know where to begin. I I mean I I told you I was out today and I saw people in stores with N ninety fives again on. I I don't even know what to say to this. Like you can't even make a connection at this point. At this point, you can't make a connection now. Unbelievable! President Joe Biden is quoted by saying, I just spoke with Transportation Secretary... Bo- is it- I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. We're just going to go with Buttigieg, Buttig- Buttig- whatever. I-, I think it's French or something. I'm just going to go with that. They don't Probably know what... better than the, the one I can reference him with. Uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of other references. Most of them derogatory, <laughs> but... <laughs> No. family show. Uh, they don't yeah. know what the cause is, but I was on the phone with you. See, he was on the phone with him. He doesn't know what the cause is, but he was on the phone with him and he, he knows what's going on. I told them to report directly to me when they find out the aircraft can still land safely, just not take off right now. They don't know what the cause of it is. They expect in a couple of hours they'll have a good sense of what caused it and will respond at that time. We're still waiting on that response.
5: We haven't gotten that response yet. Yeah. You know, When uh, some of the uh, think tanks that these, um, well, not just some of them, all of the think tanks that they listen to um, are all saying that um, you'll own nothing and be happy about it. You will not travel further than 15 minutes or uh, five kilometers from your uh, abode. When they're all saying that, and then all of a sudden we have an unknown reason for the air traffic control system going down. Now, right we have so many. The meeting in Davos where they're going to discuss right it, I'm bef- sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to come up and why we have to turn over the internet to Davos. It just seems suspect. And then we don't know why it went down. I, I'm sorry. If it was a hacker, you knew immediately that it was a hacker. If this were a hacker, that means it was Russia. That's that's what they come out and say they would come out and say this was Russia that did this so that we have to send more weapons over to Ukraine uh, and more money. Which means they would also get more money. Uh, you know, it would it would be a it's a money a money laundering operation because BlackRock is now saying they'll be over there uh, building up Ukraine and and creating these uh, new cities that they're they're talking about. Well,
1: that we saw the we saw the concept video of what they want Ukraine mm-hmm. to look like by 2030.
2: Yep.
5: So that that's something on their uh, docket. Now, what I want to know in all of this is, was this an inside job? Was this something that our government did? Because there are so many, we have redundancies with these air traffic control systems. It's not like somebody comes in or trips on a cord or you have a hacker that comes in and shuts the system down. There's backups and there's backups for the backups because this is a very important system. And this was nationwide.
1: Um, it's not like this was just some kind yeah. of like a regional outing over like New York or Florida or California or, or anything like that. It's not like LAX or, or O'Hara went down for a couple of hours. Every flight yeah. in the country was grounded.
5: Now, there, there is a caveat. I, there, there is a caveat. Let's say they're using a um, they're all using the same system. For example, let's say they're all using um, uh, Microsoft uh for their operating system right just as an example and let's say they're all hooked up to the same exact one server and that one server goes down and causes the entire cloud system or or you know communication system to go down okay if you if you
1: do that i would i would say you're an idiot for using those kinds of business practices
5: this is also the government we're talking about. So basically, Fair what I'm point. saying it is, is it is very possible that this was um, basically one of their servers went down, and it was basically a government flub, and they just don't want to don't want to admit it's a government flub. Um, but it just it seems suspect. It, it just it's all it's all so conveniently timed, right when we're in the middle of inflation, uh, attacks on the average uh, in, individual. Uh, we had the um, infrastructure issues uh, right after the pandemic. Um, you're, you're being told you're going to own nothing and be happy about it, um, along with all the um, basically transgenderification of every single thing. Uh, and I don't mean just uh, when I say transgenderification, I don't just mean gendering. I mean, uh, the, just how society as a, as a whole is being completely turned upside down and basic ideas and principles, it just seems so convenient for them to have that system collapse right before Davos. And it's exactly the 15-minute city. It's it, it fits in line with those ideas. Just seems too convenient for it not to be a um, self-imposed. I have to agree. To be fair, when, when you don't hear an explanation,
1: I mean, they could have just as easily blamed the Russians. They could have. Why not? Right? They blamed the uh, the Colonial Pipeline on Russian hackers, didn't they? But magically, yep. Like that's that that I hundred percent believe that that was self inflicted the Colonial Pipeline, and I'm just you know comparing. Here. The reason I say is because of this: these systems have redundancies. They have, as you're talking about, the the systems that have the backups, that have the backups, that have the backups. I listened to engineers that called in to various podcasts and, and talk radio all across America to say, this is complete BS. They can have that pipeline open. We have the ability to go in and access this. They're just blocking all of us from going in to access it to keep it open in certain sections. They have redundancies, so this kind of thing does not happen. So whatever they're telling people is a lie. Then there was the suspicious cryptocurrency wallets that they miraculously cracked to get millions of dollars, quote, recovered by the credible FBI. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. I don't buy this for a second either. As I said in the opening, war's been declared on We the People. If you can't see it by now, then I'm not sure you're going to. I don't know what's going to wake you up at this point, if anything will. So with the 15-minute city being the objective here, right? That's that's their objective, is that. Bruce, do you think that the so-called elites, we shouldn't actually call them that, by the way, and I know I call them like losers and everything else, what they really are, they're parasites. That's what they are. They leech off taxpayer money, stolen taxpayer money, I might add, and then they tell us what we're going to do. That's a parasite. That's what a parasite does. It latches onto something for sustenance because they need us to, To actually provide for them. And they do nothing. They provide nothing. There is nothing of benefit that these people churn out of these think tanks. I mean, hell, that goes all the way back to the founding of the Hudson Institute with Herman Kahn. Those people, they designed what we're sitting here experiencing today back in the 60s. He was also a mentor of Klaus Schwab. So is it an accident that that's what we're seeing now? I don't think so. If you listen to the audio we've played of him and his assistant back then. Sounds awful familiar. But let's look at these people, Bruce. You think they're going to abide by the 15-minute city principle? You think they're going to do that? You think the the Davos uh, select privileged? Do you think that they're going to abide by the 15-minute city? You think they're going to cut back on their carbon footprint?
5: Mm. Well, let's let's use um, current trends as the example. Okay. Um, all these elite all have their own personal jet, personal private jet, right? Uh-huh. They're not carpooling, if you will, with other elites so that they reduce the number of jet uh, jets they use to travel, right? So that you're not packing full one of the private jets with a bunch of elites and their entourages. Nope. Instead, what they're doing is they're all taking their own that they own and spewing tons and tons of carbon into the atmosphere while telling us at the exact same time That we have to get rid of our gas stoves. We have to get rid of our uh, gas combustion engine cars. We have to get rid of, uh, you know, using plastics. We have to go uh, to to more recyclables. uh, We have to have our houses uh, at uh, net zero emissions. And we also need to get off of coal and natural gas and need to go to wind and solar. Nuclear is not an option because nuclear is... uh, again, that that that's uh, pollutants, you know, because of uh, you know radioactive and material. And Obviously, and electric so vehicles. Pollutant.
1: Don't forget electric, electric vehicles, vehicles, which we actually yeah. power with coal and and diesel. But I mean, that's just what we do. Yeah.
5: So for them, are, are they going to be restricted to the 15 minute city? No, no. They'll have they'll have a nice apartment. Uh, you know, like um well, one, uh, or even a, a yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're a nice apartment in each city. Like they yeah. can travel. Sure. So any city they want, yeah. at any time they want. Well, they're the sovereign class, you see,
1: in, in that new uh, currency and social criticism. They're the sovereign class. Exactly. So let's look at a hot commodity that these people might be after right now. And I, I like the, the talk there about the uh, the gas stoves. We'll get into that in a second. I, I do want to talk about that because the state of New York is doing something even more crazy than that. What do you think, Bruce, the hottest commodity right now for all of these people that shuttle their their sorry selves around the world to parts unknown, what do you think the hottest commodity for them right now is?
5: Um, well... We we talked about it in prep, so I know what the answer is now. But uh, my answer was eggs as a joke. It was um, eggs, yeah. yeah. Which I, so, I somebody told uh, me,
1: that, yeah. Which somebody told me how much they paid for eggs today. They could buy a dozen eggs for eight dollars, or they could buy a chicken for four. I said well, that's not even a that's not even a decision. <laughs> like you buy the
5: chicken, of course you buy the chicken. But the question is, is why is that the case? Why is that the case? Um, yeah. My now my basic understanding, real quick, they've been killing off a lot of the chickens. Because yes. it's too expensive for the feed. Oh, and we also had that, um, uh, whatever it was—the bird flu or whatever—that went through and ravaged all those that we that
1: just nobody had to ever kill them identified. Off. Yes, that nobody ever identified or isolated or anything. We just did it on hearsay. Uh, but anyway, that side issue. I'm sure that they were just doing it in the best interest of people. But to let the listener understand clearly what's going on here, uh, the hottest commodity amongst the very wealthy private jet owners around the world are unvaccinated pilots and crew. Why would they be wanting those people, specifically unvaccinated pilots and crew? They are paying a premium. They are bombarding commercial pilots around the country that are still employed. They're bombarding them with offers to go and work privately for them, along with flight attendants. Unvaccinated. There were some airlines that didn't require vaccine requirements. I mean, you, know, you had a few of them there, American Airlines and, and a few others that required that. And then, of course, we saw what was it like a 2000 percent increase in fatalities among airline pilots. They have to be in some of the best shape of anybody, of any profession, because they're subjecting themselves to quite a bit of... Um, um, well, I guess uh, fatigue, more fatigue than, than the average person, pressurization, so yeah. Unpre- yeah, pressurizing, unpressurizing, ca- you know, cabin pressure, altitude, you know, all that stuff, you know, radiation, flying, spend a lot of time up there. That's one of the things they don't tell you about flying a lot is the amount of radiation you take in the upper atmosphere like that. They don't tell you that. If you don't do it that often, it's not that big of a deal. However, why would you want an unjabbed pilot and crew? What about the people that take the commercial airlines? What about them? Don't those people matter? Do their lives not matter anymore? I guess not. This is Alan Dana, who is a former Jetstar pilot. And he's explaining on this podcast to Maria Z about what's going on behind the scenes to commercial airline pilots.
6: And the U.S. Freedom Flyers, Josh Yoda, he's the head president of the U.S. Freedom Flyers. He said they're getting calls now from wealthy businessmen and companies to fly their executives around on business jets with unvaccinated crew. Now, they get the luxury of being able to choose because there are still a large amount of crew available in the United States who are not vaccinated because the companies they work for didn't mandate it. And yes. these, these wealthy businessmen are requiring unvaccinated crew on their business jets. Now, passengers of an airline on an airline bought a ticket don't have that luxury. It's just like, okay. Are you, you know, aware of it. that happening in Australia as well, Alan? No, well, we don't really have as, as big a market for a business and court jets here. And uh, we're not we're not at the leading edge of, of getting calls. But the US Freedom Flyers have been going a lot longer than the Aussie Freedom Flyers. And uh, they're, they're a lot more well-connected than we are. But certainly... You know, if there are any businessmen out there that want to fly business jets, I, myself, team members on the court case in the Magnificent 24 and a whole bunch of other Virgin, Virgin Australia crew that are on the ground, qualified, type rated, experienced, unvaccinated that are available. He's
1: looking to get in on that action, too. You see that?
5: (laughs) That's what it sounded like. That's that's what I caught from that. And to be honest with you, though, that's that's actually a pretty plush gig. I mean, it is,
1: you know, I was looking not being at, in the belly of the beast. Well, you know, I, I was, I was looking at something. Um, I was looking at a, at a possible offer here, uh, about six months ago. And I'll just put it this way as I'm sitting there and I'm looking through this company's offer, as I'm looking through everything that they, they offer their employees, it was a company out of, uh, out of Finland. And as i'm looking down through uh, everything that they provide for their uh, employees they're very well taken care of they're very well compensated as i'm sitting there and i'm doing this i'm i'm like what on earth am i doing i stopped myself i said what on earth am i doing i said i don't want to be around these people i said these people like these these people are the ones that go to davos these are the ones that sit in their private jets you would be going with them i said i don't want to be anywhere near this and so i I closed it. I cut it off. That was it, and I haven't looked at it again. I'm not. I'm not going to get any further into it. But that. Why would you want unvaccinated people? I thought it was safe and effective. I thought it was fine. Now I. I also thought that a lot of these companies. I'm not talking about the airlines. I'm talking about these. These corporate heads were requiring of their employees of their Fortune 500s. But yet. Hang on a minute. They're specifically, you heard him, they're specifically requiring you not to be jabbed for COVID. Well, that leads me to only one conclusion. My conclusion is they're not jabbed either.
5: Almost like they knew the data and research beforehand, before, and uh, turned it down. Well, you heard Ned here uh, earlier in the week.
1: There were people that were very close to a lot of these insiders, and they were told in the fall of 2019, do not get tested and do not get vaccinated. Just walk away. That's what they were told. And that kind of went without saying. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even a discussion. Never mind even a discussion. It wasn't even a thought. It wasn't a thought to subject myself to that. And it's still not. You're going to make a 15 minute city, right? Circling back to that. You're going ma- to I miss Jen Saki most days. I have to be honest. I, I miss that. <laughs> she was loads better than this mop head they got up there. But circling back to the 15 minute city, you're going to make a 15 minute city with jab requirements. You're not going to have a population left alive to be able to have a functioning 15 minute city. Well, you're going to have a bunch of robots. Somebody's got to service those robots. Do they have to be vaccinated? Do we have the ability right now to? I mean, with AI, which I don't believe we are at this level yet, we don't have the ability for AI to repair AI in the robotic form yet. Do we? Do we have that ability yet? Uh, are you meaning like software or hardware? I mean software with hardware, as in take one of these these robots that we saw in one of these promo videos last week uh, with Marty, where you've got it going around emptying the trash cans or rubbish bins, as you call them uh, in the other English block countries. Somebody, an actual, like a physical person is going to have to service that thing if something goes wrong with it. a wheel falls off of it, or you got to replace a part, you got to weld something on it. You can't send a robot
5: in to fix that is my point so you need no. actual workers no, actually you don't um, okay so if uh, here's the problem you have to set up the logistics of it um, the the problem is is they don't today's um, logistical systems are not based so back in the day they had warehouses and you would have a warehouse full of components that you needed to produce um, you know cars or whatever right today they don't do that today what happens is, um, you manufacture the part. Uh, let's say it's um, uh, you know the the hubcap or whatever. You know you, uh, a part of the car. It's manufactured, immediately gets loaded onto a truck, shipped over to uh, the assembly point for the car, and is unloaded immediately. And that that hubcap is installed uh, as as quickly as possible. There is no storage. Um, it's all, uh, precisely timed. So it, it, it makes our, our, it, it's, it's quite the interesting system, but at the same time, it's very vulnerable. Anyway, all that to say, if you could work out the logistics of it and you would probably being as it's a repair, you would probably have a warehouse, but you could set up a system to completely repair, um, diagnose and then repair, uh, the machine. It, it's just a matter of programming um, the, the robotic arms and and having the right tools available and the, you know, it, I, I think it's doable. I I think it's very well doable. Uh, it's just, it's going to take some money and it's going to take some engineering to, you know, it'll take human beings to set it up, but once it's set up and you set up a, an entire, you could theoretically right now with the technology we have, you could set up a system that would not only repair itself, but repair the machine's that are going out and collecting the rubbish, uh, or you know whatever the whatever the system is there. You could set up it a completely automated system to do all that. the The only thing that would be the most difficult part is uh, collecting the rubbish bin collector if it breaks down. Like let's say it breaks down in the field. That's where you may have to have a human being go in and retrieve it, then take it to the facility where it's automated repair. However, with uh, self-driving cars and that sort of thing coming in the future, we're 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 on the cusp of being able to make an entire system self-sufficient without a human being touching any component once it's begun.
1: Hot off the press from the World Health Organization as if it's right on cue. Countries should consider recommending travelers to wear masks in high risk settings such as long haul flights. The WHO official said today citing the rapid spread of Omicron, the Omicron subvariant, XBB.1.5. Don't you love how they come up with this crap? Katherine Smallwood has said the following. I'm quoting mask wearing. On, yeah, Bruce is, of course, yeah, Bruce is laughing. Mask wearing on long haul flights should be a recommendation issued to passengers arriving from anywhere that is is that that is widespread in COVID-19 transmission." that was she was citing Europe and of course the United States of course not China no 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 not 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 China no you can't can't single out China. Like no, you that. can't. You can't. No. Yeah, you can't do any kind of restriction no, no, on China no, or not. anything. Is, no, oh. of course not. Well, they're not. They're not the problem. Uh, us dumb Westerners. You know, we we never could get our act together. So you know, you, our outdated democracies and everything. Well, in I mean, Europe,
5: Chinese are technically POCs themselves. So you, you can't go after a POC.
1: I actually have an interesting story on that, but we can discuss that another day. There was a a school, a high school that was in. I want to say it was in Michigan, and the superintendent that was giving the awards out for the end of the year they announced some, they were going to announce some scholarships, but they didn't because they went to 90% Asian students and they didn't go to any other uh, frontline and vulnerable community. So they just didn't announce any of them because it would have singled people out. Yeah. But those are
5: Americans. It's okay to do for Americans. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I I got you. She went on to say that countries need to look at the evidence. (laughs) Don't you love when the, the, the World Health Organization suggests looking at evidence. Countries need to look at the evidence base for pre-departure testing. But well, I see we got to bring testing back in all the airports. Got to got to do it. You got to you got to do that. Travel measures should be implemented in a non-discriminatory manner, just on that basis alone of that line that she said is a discriminatory manner. Well, you're not going to discriminate against any individual group. You're just going to discriminate against everybody. Unbelievable.
5: I mean, at least they're discriminating against
1: everybody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess it's a uniform thing. You know, it's a you know, uniform discrimination, I suppose. Okay, so we talked about that. Uh, so you want to go down the road the the uh, the gas stoves, right? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. OK, so the gas stoves. Uh, let me see. Let me get this gas stove thing here. And then we don't let me forget. So make sure that we transition into the we're going to talk about the Biden classified files. So we'll talk about that mm. um, right after. So okay. gas stoves. Right. So they're going to ban your gas stove.
6: A federal agency says it's starting to collect information on whether to ban gas stoves in American homes. As money editor John Delano reports, that has brought a strong reaction from those who prefer gas to electric. Over one-third
4: of American households and up to 70% of homes in some states prefer gas ranges
0: to electric stoves for cooking. Data on consumer preferences show that people prefer cooking with natural gas.
4: But a recent study suggests that 13% of childhood asthma can be attributed to the use of gas stoves, says Matt Mahalik. Of the BREATHE project. The combustion of natural gas inside people's homes elevates nitrogen oxide levels, and those are risks to asthma exacerbation, uh, and especially people who are younger or older or have health issues. But Richard Meyer with the American Gas Association says that study is deeply flawed.
0: I've I've characterized this uh, that paper as an advocacy-based mathematical exercise. It did not involve any testing of appliances.
4: Calls to ban gas stoves and worries that this might actually happen led the Consumer Product Safety Commission to issue this statement on Tuesday. "Quote: CPSC has not proposed any regulatory action on gas stoves at this time. Staff plans to start gathering data." and perspectives from the public on potential hazards associated with gas stoves. In a separate tweet, one of the five commissioners, Rich Trumpka Jr. wrote, quote, To be clear, CPSC is not coming for anyone's gas stove. Regulations apply to new products. Some states have taken action on their own, banning gas ranges in new homes, but not in Pennsylvania. If you feel strongly about keeping your gas range or banning them, call your member of Congress. Nobody expects anything to happen quickly on this issue.
1: Uh, First of all, I'd like to say that his audio is terrible for a for a company like CBS that has untold millions of dollars. Mm. Get a microphone. Okay. That's the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing, get off your laptop. You've got multi-million-dollar news trucks that run around all over these cities and they film and talk about nothing. Can't you use one of those? Okay. That's my first gripe. My second gripe. And we also now
5: get out of the broom closet.
1: Yeah. Get out of the broom closet. That, I like that. that yeah. Yeah. And, and your green screen's terrible. We've been using natural gas for cooking in America for the better part, if not longer than a century. And now all of a sudden, this is a problem. Now, all of a sudden, this is causing uh, childhood asthma.
5: That's crackpot nonsense. The tell to that specific point, the tell is a recent study. Like I mentioned, uh, I think it was on yesterday's podcast. You can have any think tank you want. If you have the money, they will they will formulate any kind of report or study that you want. So if you wanted to say this causes childhood asthma, they will do that. My next question is, is why is it childhood asthma and why isn't it affecting adults? The other question I have is they said uh, nitrogen oxide, right? Do you know how many different forms of nitrogen oxide is? The Nitrogen oxide is not a clear defined, is it NOx? Is it, um, is it, uh, NO2? Is it, uh, N2O? Uh, is it, I mean, there's so many different variants of nitrogen oxide. I'm not sure what he's referencing there to know uh, exactly which one. It, it, so uh, they were intentionally uh, vague there. Yeah. Uh, 100 years of use. Uh, about 40% of the United States uses uh, natural gas for either cooking, heating, or heating water. About 40%. Probably more, uh, but that, that's the rough estimate. I don't think they include propane in that, uh, but I'm not sure that's uh, in question. But anyway, all that to say, do you know how much cheaper it is uh, natural gas versus electric? It's about like half the price. Uh, when w- the electric bill in the summer here is about double uh, what our electric bill is in the winter because we have a natural gas furnace. Our our expenses for heating is much lower because it's natural gas. It's it's. Cheaper to use that. This will crush the average American that that relies on that cheaper bill. But again, they want everything 15 minute cities. They're looking at every possible way they can to bankrupt you. That, that's basically what's going on here. They're proposing these crazy ideas and policies to basically cause you to sell your house because oh, I, can't, I can't afford it anymore. I've got to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. To make my house uh, zero emissions, um, that's what the overall goal is. And you'll sell your house because you can't afford it, or uh, you'll take out a mortgage, which they will foreclose on because of whatever reason they come up with, and and then you'll be forced to move to your local community or uh, you know whatever they're going to call it zone. I don't know uh, what they're yeah, going to your, call it. your zone. Yeah, your zone there. You're going to have
1: your own building there. And to that point, uh, I'd like to play a clip here, just a couple of minutes long, of a guy named Bjorn Andreas. And he's going to explain to you, Now, this is a guy that's very well researched in, in all this. He's going to explain to you, under this Agenda 2030 in this 15-minute city, he's going to explain to you exactly how they're going to do all of this.
3: Very soon now, your government will uh, send you a letter. And in that letter, it will basically say that uh, you're going to have to make some um, improvements to your house and you're going to pay for that out of your own pocket as well. What we're talking about here is something with a very boring name. I made made a note here. It's called Energy Performance of Buildings Directive. That's in the EU. Now, if you live outside of Europe, um, this will probably in a very short while um, be a thing in your country as well. This is something that comes out of the World Economic Forum and uh, you know the Great Reset and uh, Agenda 2030 and all of that. Um, and basically uh, the idea is that all privately owned houses must have energy class D before 2033. Um, By 2050, all homes must be zero emission homes. When it comes to the costs, I made a note here uh, uh, about the calculations that these people have made. Uh, We are talking about costs per house of, well, in most cases around 100,000 euros. And here's the thing. Many people will not be able to pay 100,000 euros. They will be forced to sell. Can you remember a while ago uh, this uh, slogan that also came out of the World Economic Forum? You will own nothing and you will be happy. Isn't it funny how this so-called green agenda seems to make everything more difficult and more expensive it seems like we will not be able to own a house because we can't afford it Uh, you will be forced to rent you will be at mercy of the the company probably that owns your your flat another issue here is of course that if you're forced to sell will you even be allowed to sell a house that is not up to this standard no you
1: will not they will just happily take it off of your hands for you. But getting back to this, um, there was a very important clip right there. We had to play it right there. Um, getting back to this um, th- this report, they quoted a tweet from the head of the Consumer Product Safety Commission or the CPSC. Did you catch the name? That Because the name is what is what stood out to me. Did you catch the name of that individual,
5: Bruce? Uh, the, the guy that's the head of it? Yes. The, the current chair? Yes. Uh, I I don't know his name offhand, but I do okay. know he used to be the head of a union or something like that. He did not. As a matter of fact, the only reason I I caught that is because I know
1: his father or who his father was, and that is Richard Trumpka. This, of course, is Richard Tremka Jr. Richard Tremka, for those that don't know, he's the head of the AFL-CIO under the Obama administration. This is the guy that publicly said that the Bill of Rights was... Merely a charter of negative liberties and that the founding fathers were nothing more than selfish aristocrats with no concern for the common man. What do you think that this son of his, which he only had one child, what do you think his son was
5: raised to believe? Leaves don't fall too far from the tree. They most certainly uh, do not. The, uh, the the gentleman there you had on uh, just a minute ago talking about... Um, yeah, Mr. Andreas, yeah. Some of the stuff, yeah, uh, going on in the EU. It was another thing I was made aware of yesterday... Uh, that's happening in the EU that um, has made it through basically uh, it's three systems that you have there, right? It's three different departments or branches or whatever you you have to go through to pass a law, right? It has to pass the three. I I honestly, I I don't know. I I think so. I think that's how it
1: works. I don't know because you have laws that are passed at the national level And then that applies to the national level. But if the EU passes something, then that applies everywhere. It's ridiculous. I mean, these these people, like, they just can't do anything. They can't. And they can't do anything that actually works. But the people in the EU as in like the the members of uh, the MEPs, as they call them, uh, the members of European Parliament, those people actually get elected, but they can't vote on anything. It's the commission in the European Union that, and Marty explained this and and how this works, but uh, it's the commission that actually passes everything and votes on everything. And those are unelected people.
5: Right. So whatever the three, there's three departments, uh, branches, whatever, Uh, they've all agreed to this law. It, what's what's being um, debated right now is the full scope of it. Um, if it's going to include banks, if it's going to include what, what the punishment is going to be in the long run. Now, this law, uh, unfortunately, I don't have the name of it. Um, I'll have to go back and look at that. Um, but the law is basically requiring all companies that make over $150 million a year um, to abide by ESGs. Now, that doesn't sound... Uh, too egregious in a sense because okay any company making over 150 million that's not going to affect really but that's the big not companies and corporations a lot of money. no that's However, not a lot of money in, it's not a lot world, of money no. it's revenue by the way it's not yeah. profit it's oh 150 boy. million in revenue oh, wow. so it's it's even lower but here's here's the kicker if you're not a high risk industry okay so you're not high risk high risk would be like restaurants as an example because you you know you the margins are so small and everything and anyway. If you make over 150 million, you yourself are required to follow ESGs. So is your logistics. So is your providers. So is every single. So if you're if you're, let's say, um McDonald's, and let's say um you hire or or you contract out some, you know, getting potatoes for your French fries. Okay. And some of the farms that provide you with the potatoes are just You know small family farms right they're not necessarily big they're not big corporation farms or whatever you know there are um conglomerates that have a bunch of small farms that you know provide supplies to that and and anyway let's say that's the case that means the mom and pops the the family farm they're required to follow esg standards as well they can't afford to follow esg standards because i mean to go completely green to not use uh chemical fertilizers to uh, do the social justice uh, BS with, you know, the you know, BLM or the LGBT or the transgender, you know, whatever it is. They're required to do all those things as well. So in other words, every company that's involved. Now, here's the other fun tidbit about this. I mentioned McDonald's and that was my, my reference company. McDonald's is an American company. It will be required to follow this EU law if they want to function in the EU. This is EU as a whole every country in the European Union. And that means that if your farm is here in the United States, whatever the product is, let's say you're making clothing as an example, you have to follow EU law. Wow. However, I used McDonald's as this reference. Technically the 150 million doesn't reference McDonald's. McDonald's has a different standard because it's a high risk industry. McDonald's, uh, their profit, not profit, excuse me, revenue margin is 40 million. So if you're a high risk industry, if you're a high risk industry, which includes restaurants, if you make forty million dollars in revenue uh, a year, that means um, you're covered in this as well. Somehow, I thought McDonald's revenue would be higher than that. It is, but I'm not saying McDonald's revenue is forty million. What I'm saying is um, the cutoff for uh, the the high risk industry. So, if you own a restaurant and you're just a mom and pop shop and you make less than forty million, you're fine. You're not. You're not covered oh, by I this. See. Okay, I got you. But if you're, like, a, a chain or, a, you know, or, or a larger well-off <laughs> so well, well they off get restaurant.
1: Su- it doesn't matter, though, because they get, it's going to affect them anyway, because they get supplied by the same suppliers that have to abide exactly. by it. So it's not going to matter. Exactly.
5: Exactly. So the things that they're arguing now is, is this going to apply to banks, Um, you know, these standards? What are the repercussions if you do not follow these? What kind of fines are we talking about? Are you going to be allowed to do business in the EU? Those kind of things. Uh, And also, are your customers going to be required to follow ESG? That's the kind of things that are being debated. Now, the overall scope of the law has been agreed upon in all three branches, courts, Parliaments, whatever it is that they have, ex- they exactly are uh, it, the the little things are what they're quabbling over, uh-huh. like what the re-
1: repercussions are. Uh huh. And and exactly what portion of the people were made aware of any of that? None. None. This isn't being talked about largely. Of course not. Um, no, of course
5: not, because they would all be strung up. That's why. Yeah, and this is straight out of Davos. But the the problem that you have in Europe is. Uh, How many people out there do you have uh, voices that are talking about the Great Reset, that are talking about Davos, that are talking about Klaus Schwab? I can count
1: on maybe, maybe two hands of ones that I hear. I mean, I listen to a lot of other things, you know, a lot of other uh, podcasts and radio shows just for, you know, reference. And I, I think to myself when they talk about something and they just say, oh, well, what's the reason for that? I'm like, come on, fellas, really, really? And then that goes back to the whole, con- you know, who's controlled opposition and who's not. But uh, anyway, we're, we're getting low on time here, so we're going to have to move. Uh, but just as yeah, a yeah. side note, just as a side note, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul, you know, the unelected governor of New York, you know, that one, uh-huh. uh, which yeah. she seemed to win in a landslide this last time. Somehow, I don't know. Anyway,
5: oh, um, I'm sure mm-hmm.
1: she has proposed that New York be the first state in the U.S. to not only ban natural gas stoves in homes and restaurants, but also heating and all other appliances going forward. So she said in her State of the Union address on Tuesday that um, they are looking to ban the use of fossil fuels by 2025 for newly built. Yeah, you see how they're going to do that? Newly built smaller structures. Of course, they don't say what that is. And 2028 for larger ones. So New York would also prohibit the sale of any new fossil fuel heating systems starting in guess what year she said. Well, she mentioned
5: 2025, but 2030 is what I'm going to go for.
1: There's something about that year. I don't you're right, by the way, there's something about that year. I don't know what it is. But there's something about that year.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping uh, more people uh, start realizing what's going on and start talking to their governors and start having governors pass laws that say we're not to follow ESGs here in the state. We're not going to ban fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are even if the federal government says it's banned. um, Sorry, federalist system. If it's you know, if Oklahoma says Oklahoma is going to continue drilling for oil, the federal government does not have a say in that. And in fact, I, I hope more states pay attention to what the Supreme Court has said multiple times over that federal land that's in your state is your land and the state is free to do whatever the hell they want with it. So I'm hoping that um, we, we get these protections in place to protect farms and uh, our energy, not just, um, you know, petroleum. And that uh, I hope it uh, they, they start catching on. I hope the listener, um, you get your friends, family, whatever calling into these governors and your your local reps and get things here in the States. Uh, you know, in Europe, obviously, you want to talk to your rep. You know, obviously, it's going to be the same kind of concept, but uh, yeah, talk to your, your local rep. Just to
1: kind of put this into perspective, a lot of buildings in New York, if you hadn't noticed, especially in New York City, the most densely populated portion of the state. So yeah, you got a lot of buildings there. So just to give you an idea, this ban would going forward, if this is passed, which I don't see how it wouldn't be under the unelected leadership of the state of New York, the ban would prohibit gas furnaces, water heaters, and emergency generators. Anything that uses utilizes natural gas going forward. So to give you an idea, if you're in a building, again, New York, a lot of buildings. Even if you're not from America, you've seen it. A lot of buildings there. Uh, if you're in a building that runs entirely on electric heaters because you're being green and the power goes out, best of luck to you.
5: Yeah, no more heaters. And oh, in New um, York, in the middle of winter. In the middle of winter, yeah. I, I thought uh, the Northeast used more oil based uh, heating than they did. Uh, natural typically, gas. They, typically they do, but because of,
1: you know, it's, they don't have a whole lot of natural gas up there and there's not a lot of natural gas, uh, burners. So they ship a lot of it in. So if they they use natural gas and there's a lot of propane up there, too, they use a lot of propane.
5: I mean, I I know we use uh, we do propane here as well, but it's usually you live out in the boonies, you know, you're you're yeah, it's the same if you if you get up into like
1: uh, Connecticut and and places like that, if you get way out in there, then, you know, then they'll have, you know, propane like uh, do you remember Obama? He just put in a new 12000 gallon propane system or whatever it was on his Martha's Vineyard property that because of rising sea level you know, he's got a, he's got a place there. Right on the coast. Yeah. Right, right on the coast. So I was actually, I was reading something from um, a Senator from Australia last week. I think I told you about it on uh, Bondi, Bondi beach, Bo- Bondi beach, I think is what it is in, in Victoria, Bondi, yeah. Bo- Bondi beach. I believe that's where it is. Uh, I could be mistaken. Forgive me, Aussie listeners, Bondi beach. They declared a climate emergency because of rising sea levels. And I saw I saw a compilation that the senator, the senator is uh, Craig Kelly. I think a lot of people have heard of that guy. Uh, Great Australian patriot. That guy is. He put together a compilation of photos and videos from Bondi Beach going back to 1845 to current day. And wouldn't you know, the water level hasn't moved a, a single millimeter, hasn't moved at all. And there's a climate emergency that was declared because of rising sea levels. Yeah. Yeah. Extinction Rebellion was out there doing their little, you know, whatever. And yeah, just pack up and go home, you idiots. Go home. Like, it's enough of this nonsense already. Nobody takes these people seriously. Okay. anyway, moving on to the classified documents. I thought Trump was the biggest uh, violator of of the law. And it was treason. And we got to look at locking him up. Uh, for multiple felonies for the, uh, the classified information that we never actually saw, by the way, other than the fact you had some FBI agents posting selfies with it, which, by the way, that right there, if it is classified information that you're posting selfies with on Twitter, that is, oh, that's some years. That's some years that you're going to have stacked on you in federal prison. Uh, but Biden had some classified material that was at the University of Pennsylvania where he had an office that was funded by the Chinese Communist Party. That's where the classified material was. Oh, boy. Well, that was the first instance. Then we found out that there was a second instance that they found some classified materials next to his Corvette in one of his residences, which they owned the house, right? Didn't they own the house? They owned the house. No, no, they they didn't. That's what they say. That's what they say. But no, they didn't. It was a rental property. As a matter of fact, uh, Miranda Devine over at the New York Post, great independent reporter, she's done a lot of digging into the Hunter Biden laptop deal. And Hunter Biden himself, she's a great reporter. And she uncovered a, uh, a background report from Hunter Biden on that property that was part of the rental agreement. So they didn't own the property. So they've got classified material. Excuse me, Joe Biden has classified material. In a garage next to his Corvette, to a property that they don't own. So this is not a problem. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Bruce, is this a problem? Is it? Is this a problem? Is oh, this come a, on, it was, it was a locked come on, garage. Man. I mean, come clearly on, man. It was okay. Come on, clearly it was okay. This is what he said to Peter Ducey about it.
0: Mr. Preston, it was okay. Classified, classified material
1: next to your Corvette. What were you thinking?
2: Let me. Uh, the, we're, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people. And by the way, my Corvette's in a lock garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. Oh, well, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings in storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Pen. Th- this was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center. The Department of Justice was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice was immediately cl- uh, uh, no- notified, and uh, the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. So you're going to see, we're going to see all this unfold. I'm right, confident.
1: Right. Thank you very much. He's slunkered on out the door, and then of course you have uh, Merrick Garland, who is out there. You got, you got some comments there. I mean, we're we're going to talk about it uh, this here. Just a, we're going to talk about it just a little bit. Uh, but Merrick Garland out today saying this, and it's it's pure political theater.
0: I concluded that under the special counsel regulations, it was in the public interest to appoint the special counsel. In the days since, while Mr. Lausch continued the investigation, the department identified Mr. Her for appointment as special counsel. This morning, President Biden's personal counsel called Mr. Lauch and stated that an additional document bearing classification markings was identified at the president's personal residence in Wilmington, Delaware. When I first contacted Mr. Loush about this matter,
1: that part of it, I, I don't buy that, that Garland's going to be looking into it one bit. Uh, if anything, it's just to make it look like they're doing something with it and and it will be a, a smack on the wrist or whatever. And the reason is, is because this isn't new, is it?
5: No, this was discovered in, uh, I believe it was November, uh, before the midterm elections. Um, in fact, two days before the November uh, midterms, and nobody announced it. Uh, we're only just now finding out about it. Uh, whereas, you know, with Trump, um, they found 100. Now, they said documents, 100 documents with Trump, I believe. In this case, they found, I think, 10 files that, that uh, the wordage, you, you have to pay attention to the wordage because we don't actually know how many pieces of paper were involved. Now, when they said 100 for Trump, that was 100 pieces of paper they found um, that had required, you know, some kind of clearance to have.
1: Which the president in this let, case, just to, we don't let's, actually let's know. Exp- yeah, let's let's have you explain this as you were talking to me mm-hmm. about it in prep. The president does have access to classified information and to be able to move it. The vice president yep. has access to classified information, but does not have the
5: ability to move it. Is that correct? Basically. So basically the, the difference between the two is um, Trump, um, he could just basically say, yeah, that stuff is declassified and the stuff is declassified. That's it. It doesn't have to go in through any kind of system or anything. Constitutionally speaking, all Trump has to have said was, yeah, those files were declassified. There's nothing you can do about it legally. That, that's the president's so- prerogative if Trump uh, constitutionally.
1: Said, yeah, so if Trump or, or any sitting U.S. president, for that matter, says every single file that is involved with the classification of the JFK assassination, all of that is declassified and it will be yep. made available to the public. There's nothing that the alphabet agencies could do or Congress could do.
5: So constitutionally, no. But as we've seen with the CIA and the FBI, both, um, they drag their feet. Until yep. the next president comes in and then don't do it. Yep. Um, and the CIA is still dragging their feet about it because they don't want Lee Harvey Oswald. They don't want that known that he was a CIA agent, or not really necessarily an agent, but an informant at the very least, um, and had some CIA training. That said, it should also be noted that if you or I had some kind of clearance for um, intelligence, uh, top secret stuff, uh, if... You were to allow your aide or any other individual to see that document. So let's say, let's say you had a family over or something like that, right? And you accidentally left the document out on your coffee table and the family just kind of perused it and was looking through it. And every single person in that room that seen that file is now 20 to 40 years of federal prison time that you inherit. Um, They don't get in trouble necessarily. You, because you're the one that had the clearance and you uh, illegally took that document out, which that's another thing we should note. The vice president, he did not. So you have to get clearance as the vice president to move the stuff, right? Uh, You have to go through the right channels. And it was not even known that he had these documents. Now it's possible that- In an office that, that was funded by the Chinese Communist Party. Right. It's possible, however, that- Obama could come out and say, no, those files were declassified and he would cover for for the vice president. Uh Uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, the, the president, it would cover him in this instance, potentially. But the problem is, is they can't do that. And the reason they can't do that is because now legally they can, but they can't do that because then it would it would give a legal precedent to Trump. And it, you know the double negative and everything. It, it just it would make it look bad. Be- so because
1: of the agenda, them. yeah. I, I want to play because this clip agenda. here. Yeah, yeah I want to play this clip here. It's a few minutes of uh, of Sam Fattis talking to um, uh, to Steve Bannon on uh, on his podcast about the implications of being in possession of classified information. Now Fattis is himself. He's an old CIA guy, and I mean old school. He's he's old school. He's back before it turned into this this debacle, this this disgusting mess that it is now. He's old school as in, we have no business in domestic operations. We don't need to be anywhere near that. Our business is overseas doing in, uh, intelligence and espionage against our enemies, as in our country's enemies. And we're supposed to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and the American people. That's not what the agency does anymore. So he's been very adamant about that. But I'd like for him to explain exactly what happens is in the process of handling classified information. Because this guy was dealing with top secret information on a daily basis. And so if anybody knows, it's going to be this guy. Uh, so let's listen to that.
0: I'm going to come back and get to the China on a different day because I'm going to run out of time here because i got to ask you about Biden, what you've seen of the 10 files of, of compartmented top secret information. It's Twitter, everybody's trying to suppress it. That's it's, It should be the number one story in the world trending. Uh, about Garland, give us your thoughts. This is you, you, your stock and trade was high, we're dealing with highly classified information. How serious is this, Sam Fedus?
7: Uh, it's really serious. There are probably any number of felonies here. We send people to prison for this. This is sensitive compartmented information called SCI. That is, if you will, sort of a compartment within top secret, the level of top secret classification. So these are top secret documents that are then further compartmented. That means they are either related to human source, clandestine human source operations, satellites, or sensitive SIGINT operations like satellites and eavesdropping. These are the crown jewels. These documents do not live outside controlled spaces. They are never carried outside controlled spaces. It's not like you accidentally forgot them in your office because taking them to the office at the University of Pennsylvania Biden Center was already a felony, leaving them there and a number of other felonies. This is massive. And by the way, we should note that the Biden Center basically is funded by the Chinese communists, uh, doesn't account for where its money comes from specifically in China, and publishes basically propaganda for Beijing. So this is a front organization for the Chinese communists. And we got really, really sensitive classified information lying around there. We literally send people to prison for this kind of thing for very long periods of time.
0: CNN is reporting the the compartmented top secret information in these files left at the University of Pennsylvania. That is that that center is funded by the Chinese Communist Party. Sam Fettis is specifically about Ukraine, Iran. I mean, could you get any more sensitive and particularly with Biden's fingerprints all over Iran already? I mean, all over uh, Ukraine. Is this is this going to explode into a uh, scandal that could lead to a beginning of impeachment inquiry into Biden?
7: Yeah, well, well, it should. Look, I I touched classified documents of this category every single day that I was working in a CIA station or headquarters. You know, what's fascinating. I never took a single one of those documents and stuffed it in my pocket and carried it out and just left it lying around in my house. Right. These things don't leave, leave controlled spaces. Occasionally, a courier, properly documented, might take them from one controlled space to another. But even that is rare. So this is totally out of bounds. And something really, really egregious is going on here. This is not an inadvertent.
0: There's thing. no qu- there, there's, there's no question. There's no question in your mind. There's no question in your mind. What you see on CNN and the mainstream media? These are felonies, maybe multiple felonies, sir.
7: Absolutely no question. And it doesn't require an intent to pass them to a foreign service. There was a guy at NSA a few years ago who was found to have classified documents sitting in his apartment. They ultimately established he wasn't giving them to anybody. He was just taking them home. That guy is sitting in a federal prison right now. For real, these are felony offenses. You do not take these documents out of controlled space. Walking out the door at CIA headquarters with one of these things in your pocket, even before you left the parking lot, you have committed a felony and you go to prison. That's
5: pretty clear, wouldn't you say? That is pretty clear. Uh, You know, again... The president has that prerogative. Uh, he, can, he can he can, play as loosey-goosey as he wants with um, intelligence, compartmentalized. Um, that, that, that's his prerogative constitutionally. The vice president cannot. So this whole kicking in the door of Trump and his private residence, barring his lawyers from being there uh, and then um, harassing his family at the same time, that in and of itself was illegal. I, I would like to see the same happen to Biden now. If this is the new precedent, we're going to kick in president doors for um, declassified files. Okay, let's uh, where's we'll see it, what where's else it you got. Let's we'll see what else you got. I mean, if yeah. we found two
1: stacks of classified files in two different locations, and one of which... Is accessible by the Chinese Communist Party. Oh man, we got a lot of doors to kick in.
5: Oh, we certainly do. This is these are files from when he was vice president. Uh-huh. Uh, just also want to keep that right. At, yeah, uh, this is not current. This, so these have been yeah, hanging be out there for, for quite
1: some time. No. So no. anyhow, unfortunately, we're out of time, so we're going to have to call this one done. So I want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. God bless everyone and have a good evening.